0: Welcome to Transformation Church RVA. This sermon is a part of our series, Don't Go to Church. In this series, we are peeling back what it means to be the church with a capital C, reaching out to and sharing the love of Jesus with our community. Rather than settling for being on the sidelines and not actively living out our faith, we're asking what it looks like to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, and we're starting a new series today, so really excited about it, and uh, we're going to be in this for four weeks. Everybody say four. This is going to be a tough Sunday. I can see it already. Thank you. Four weeks, and uh, how many? How many of you saw the sign on your way in? New series. Don't go to church. <laughs> Find out why this Sunday at ten a.m. Thanks, Roger. Um, we are for the next four weeks going to be walking through um, reasons we shouldn't just go to church. The reasons why we should be, everybody say be, the church. Uh, there is a chronic disease among Christians. Chronic. That means ongoing. And most every Christian I've ever met has had a season of this or is currently in it. It could be you today. And for those who aren't Christians, you may know Christians like this, but um, there are many that go to church and are maybe more associated with church than they are actually the church. You see, the Bible never calls us to just go to church. You realize that. You realize you weren't saved to sit. Okay, you weren't saved to sit. What we do on Sundays is important. The gathering together of, of the saints to lift up worship and make much of Jesus is important, but it is not the end all. We are called to be. You, Christian, were called to be most of the p- issues people have with the church are because you were a church goer and not a church beer. you like that yeah yeah it's not a real word I just made it up and that's okay because I've got the mic and you don't so if you've got a better way to say it send me an email all right Apathy sets in for Christians uh, where we think, I've got saved, I got my ticket, going to heaven. And then over time, we're real charged up and then it dwindles, it dwindles, it fades away. This charge and then we just coast. Um, Early Christians, so when the the, the first church was birthed, they knew nothing of just coming on Sundays from 10 to 11 o'clock and then the rest of the week doing whatever they wanted. No, they were wildly, they were known for being wildly and sacrificially obedient. They weren't known for being Baptist. They weren't known um, by anything other than, in fact, before they were ever called Christians, you know what they were called? The way. Did you know this? If you look at the book of Acts, what you see is, in fact, when Saul was headed to kill Christians, he was actually headed to kill what the Bible would say as people of the way. Why were they called the way? Why weren't they called the Baptists or the Pentecostals or the Catholics or, the, or whatever denomination you want to bring up? Why weren't they called that? Because they were defined by what and the way they lived. I don't plan on getting many amens this morning because most of us are better at sitting in these pews than you are actually being a Christian outside of here. So for the next four weeks, we're gonna look at what it looks like to be. Everybody say be. That's what we're gonna look at. Not just going to church, but being the church. This building is not the church, right? You're the church. You and I are the church. That's where uh, James, uh, in James chapter one, he said, uh, don't just be hearers, only, but do, do the word. So uh, this week we're going to talk about love takes a detour, that's what we'll talk about today. Um, Tomorrow, uh, next week, not tomorrow, none of you would come back, Um, but next Sunday I can get you here at 10 o'clock, seeing people through Christ. Week number three, little is much, we're going to talk about how God can do a lot, with just a little bit. And then the last week, we are actually going to have Pastor Nick Jenkins with the Ascend Outreach Center here with us. Um, how many of you remember Pastor Nick? Yeah, he's, he's amped, okay? He gets up here and he gets amped. I love it. You won't want to miss that Sunday, And he's going to talk about loving people into the kingdom. So we're in Luke chapter 10. Um, have you ever had to take a detour? I, mean, I just want to take a poll. Uh, anybody ever take detours? Had, it's, this can be interactive. It's okay. Okay. All right. Sometimes it's like preaching a funeral in here. I'll be honest. Um, I'm just straight with you. I've had to take some detours, and they're kind of frustrating, right? Because some of you should have left earlier. You know who you are. You should have left earlier and you should have put gas in the tank last night. Oh, see, we don't want to talk about that, do we? Yeah, you should have left earlier. Detours are always frustrating, and a lot of times they send us into areas that are uncertain, inconvenient, frustrating, and costly. It costs me something to go on a detour because now it's costing me my time, costing me gas. Depends on how long the detour is. You know, sometimes detours, if, you, if you've ever lived out in the country, I grew up in Charles City, New Kent. So when they would shut down a road most of the time, that's not a short detour. That's not a short detour. Like, I'd have to, like, jump back when waste management was there. You know, you'd have to, like, circle around all through these, and it would take time to get back out when they'd shut something down. Um, It can be frustrating. And what love requires of us many times is to take a detour. What we're going to look at today is what it looks, what love looks like. Um, So let's look together. We're gonna read verses 25 through 37. That's where we'll be in chapter 10, Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, there's a pew uh, in front of you. It has one right in the back of it. If you don't have one at home, that's our gift to you. We want you to take that. Let's read together. Uh, We're gonna start in 25. We're gonna go through 28. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus. Can I stop for a second and just say, uh uh-oh. Yeah, there's, there's one guy I would not want to test. Jesus is one of them. He's to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, as he often did with a question, he said, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Flip that. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus. And who is my neighbor? Look at the person next to you. And say, "Who's my neighbor?" So let me paint the picture here. Um, Jesus has done miracles. He's done all types of things, um, and and this religious expert, religious expert, you ever met one? A religious expert. This was this priest. This. Expert in religious law, he stood before Jesus and, and he, had, he, had, he had an issue. He had an issue. His life wasn't matching up with what he knew. Let me hold on. Did you know? Some of you might not have known this. Did you know that you will never behave different than what you believe? How you behave will directly affect what you believe. I think think many of us today may have some beliefs we need to check because that's what's going on with this guy. His behavior isn't matching what he says he believes. And so he wants to test Jesus, which I think is so stupid. Why would you do this? What should I do to get eternal life? And so Jesus responds to him and says, hey, how do you understand the scripture? And let me tell you something, I can almost see this expert in law just kind of put his religious garb together like this because he knows the answer. Have you ever just known the answer? When I was in school, I, I never knew the answer. I never knew the answer. But when I did, I'm like, me and they never picked me when they only picked you know, they would pick me out when I didn't raise my hand and I didn't know the answer. Okay, this is not about my childhood, but I you know what I'm saying. You've been there when you know the answer, this religious guy kills it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and Love your neighbor as yourself. So he knows the answer. He crushed it. And Jesus said, You nailed it. Do this and you'll live. Here comes the problem Who is my neighbor? So, see, in order to be a priest, a a religious expert, the first five books of the Bible can anybody name them? I'm sure you could. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. right? It's known in the Jewish community as the Torah. Uh, two, they, they memorized this. They memorized the first five books, and, and priests would be experts in it. They would know it, like the back of their hand. So this guy look at your neighbor, say, this guy, this guy was an expert in knowing, but not in doing. Hey, don't miss this today. You can be an expert in knowing, and not in doing. This this is why unchurched people have such a problem with churched people. You know this. Because we know a lot and do nothing with what we know. I have so many people that are like, Carl, I just want a fresh word from the Lord. You know, Carl, I just, I, just want to, I just want a fresh word from the Lord, and you know what I tell them? You can barely obey what's in the pages here. You don't need a fresh word. Why don't we just get good at what this says? So this priest says, who is my neighbor? And many of us today would fall into this camp. You know a lot, but you don't do much. With what you know. What good is knowing if you don't do with it? Something. And so he needs to justify his disobedience. Isn't this you and I? I just, look, you know who you're not. We're about to read about the Good Samaritan, and any Christian has heard this story. Uh, If you're not a Christian today, you're about to hear a really cool story. But you're not the Good Samaritan, you're the priest in this story. That's who you are. You're the one constantly trying to justify your disobedience. In fact, today, as you're thinking, and I'm preaching this word, you know what the Holy Spirit's going to do? He's going to bring to mind the things that you are disobeying him in. And you will begin to justify why you're not doing those things, why you're not leading your home the way you need to, why you've crossed the other side of the street when certain people walk past you. There is a reason that this story is in the Bible and it's because love takes a detour. And some of us are good at going to church but not being the church. (sighs) So he's trying to justify his sinfulness. And how many of you know that we shouldn't define what obedience looks like and obedience shouldn't be about what's best for us? So, fun fact, I mean, if you like facts, anybody, anybody nerdy like that? Okay, fun fact, when Jewish, when these religious experts would read the law, they would look at this law and apply it to only people of their same race and religion. They would say, if you don't look like me and believe like me, this doesn't apply to you, you're not my neighbor. So this is why this man asks this question. And so Jesus is about to do some work here on how we define who our neighbor is. So let's see. Let's read together. We're going to read 30 through 35. Let's let's look at it. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, and he also passed by on the other side. Verse 33. Then a despised, everybody say despised, Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man On his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these, well, hold on, let's stop there. Let's go over the story. Here's the story. This is how Jesus is going to define how we see who our neighbors are and what it looks like to be the church. Uh, First thing of note here, uh, a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. This trip from Jerusalem to Jericho was infamously dangerous. Infamously. In fact, they called it the way of blood. Have you been down that highway? No, you haven't. This was a dangerous journey, and it was a... Don't just look over the fact that it's a Jewish traveler. This would have been... So Jesus is talking with this religious expert, and this, when he says Jewish traveler, this expert in the law would have said, okay, he's a good guy. He, he would be my neighbor, Okay. And then this guy gets attacked. And not just attacked in a small way. Um, The Bible is pretty explicit here. It says uh, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him, and then left him half dead. So his appearance on the side of the road would have been almost lifeless, almost dead. And then we have two religious folk that walk down the road. A priest and a a Levite. A Levite would have been um, somebody who helped there in the temple. Uh, They both walked by. Now the priest was walking down the same side of the road as this guy, sees him, crosses to the other side, and just keeps it moving. The Levite even walks up to this guy and peers in and then walks away. And then the Bible says the despised Samaritan comes by and has compassion. Can I tell you something? The reason many of our unchurched friends, family, many of the reasons they won't come to church is because of the lack of compassion amongst Christians. Some of you today need to have a compassion check. Many of us, like the first two, remain unmoved by anyone else's situation. How selfish. This is the number one problem we will wrestle until the return of Christ. It's that you default to selfishness. It's all about me and how I feel. And these two diverted to selfishness right away. And... A common misconception here, I don't know if you know this, a lot of people, when, we, when we're raised um, in church, I was always, I've, I've heard this story a million times, right? How many of you have heard this story, like, all the time, right? The Samaritan does not represent Christians. Nowhere does it say this was a Jesus follower or religious person. You know who the Samaritan represents? This is, going to be, this, is going to, this is going to whack you right in the face. The Samaritan represents the unchurched, the rejected. The least of these in society, people that Jewish or the elite would not be around. That's why it says the despised Samaritan, right? He's being passive aggressive here. The Samaritan is not Christian. The Samaritan represents the unchurch, And this is what grieves me most about this story is that Jesus is recognizing that the world is often more compassionate than the church. Why do you think people flee and run away when things get tough? It's because in the church, it's it's judged and looked harshly on. But in the world, they find so many secular groups that will just wrap them up with loving arms in their mess. That is what's going on here. He is saying to this religious person, there are better people who are unchurched and unreligious than you. This grieves me, especially when I look out at the world around me. And I see so many opportunities. And can can I just can I just high five T Church for two seconds and just say, and, and Ian and our outreach teams, this church is a place that goes out and actually does what we say we're about. And we do that as a church. I can't speak for your personal life, but this is a very personal conversation going on here. It grieves me. And so then we see love depicted here. We see love depicted. Um, Samaritan comes along, and he goes to this guy this traveler, naked, almost dead, and he begins to help. He began, I read this into the story a little bit. Um, I often wonder what the priest and the Levite were thinking, because we don't know. But they passed them by and did nothing. There are some that say, oh, well, there were religious laws and reasons why they didn't stop, they couldn't touch a dead body, or whatever the case may be. Jesus isn't pointing to that at all. I often wonder <laughs> if one of the hurdles f- f- for us going from go to church to be the church. It's the fact that we'll see people in a situation that we can absolutely help with, and we'll be like, hey, I'll pray for you. Oh, God help us. God help us. Now there are some things you can't do, okay? You can't help everybody. You can't, you can't, you can't do it all. But how guilty are we? Of crossing to the other side of the road and maybe saying to someone who's in the thick of mess and saying, Pray for you, brother, pray for you, sister, but we don't wanna get our hands and feet involved. This is the difference. This is love depicted. It's that we aren't just people that cross to the other side, but we are people that go in and get our hands dirty. We are not afraid of the mess. When divorce is on the brink, when marriages are falling apart, when kids are on drugs, when, when you name it, when life becomes messy, whether it's addiction, when, well, I don't care what it is, when life becomes messy, Christians should not be the ones who cross to the other side. And so here, Jesus is defining, depicting love as something that is Risky. This guy stopping on this road was risky, but it also included personal involvement, personal involvement. It took time, and he basically dropped him off after kind of of emergent kind of care right there on the roadside, takes him, puts him in a place where he can be cared for and says, hey, I'll foot the bill. You know what he didn't do? He didn't, and can, can, I hope this is okay, but I, I see Christians do this all the time. So I'm just gonna step on a couple toes and I promise I'll let off. I have seen Christians look at people who are hurting in terrible situations and literally words come out of their mouth like, oh, they earned that. Whoa. Ah, you know what? They had that coming. Some of you seem shocked, but you probably said, I have. Is that okay to say? I've been there. The Lord has been working on my heart because I'm one that I, in my pride, in my sinful pride, I will say if people were more like me, they wouldn't be going through the things they're going through. And if you're willing to be honest You some of you think the same way. If people were more like you, it'd work out better. Probably deserved it. Didn't give them a lecture. Did you see any lecture here where the Samaritan just goes, hey, you know what? Hey, next time you might want to. No lecture? Of course the guy's almost guy, gal, traveler, almost half dead, so I don't know that a lecture would have done anything anyway, but you don't see a lecture, and you don't see, hear me today, please, please, I'm begging you to hear me. You do not see them saying, hey, I'm not responsible for the hurt, so why should I deal with it? Because I have heard Christians look at other Christians and unchurched people who are feeling all kinds of ways about different situations in our culture today and say, well, I didn't cause it, (laughs) you know? Okay, I'm going here, I'm going here. I'm not, I wasn't a slave owner. Oh, you've said it. You've thought it. I wasn't a slave owner. You know what? They should just get over it. I've heard Christians say this. Jesus would be so disappointed. Here we are. Oh, well, they were never enslaved. What? You don't see any of that in here. Hear me today. Hear this pastor and hear the word of God. Loving your neighbor is not qualified by what you feel about how they're feeling. Oh, God help me. Oh, Jesus help us. You need to get over yourself. And I know this is rough. You need to get over yourself and be willing to love your neighbor because that's what he's depicting here. You need to be willing to put your hands in, get over yourself and begin to love people the way Jesus would demand us to. Because you've been talking all kind of smack around your circles in your echo chambers when Jesus is calling you to lean in and grab a hold. And look, some of you might leave here today. Some of you might not ever come back to this church, but let me tell you something that's okay. If the word of God offends you, then it's not me you have a problem with, it's God. And that, that list could go on and on. Um, I, uh, I own a landscape company, so I cut grass. And uh, which some of y'all are like, that's weird. It's really not. I really enjoy it. Um, None of you can bother me while I'm on a mower with blades going around like that. So (laughs) I'm sorry. Take that (laughs) back. Nobody can bother you. Trust me. With blades spinning, nobody's coming at you. And several of the people that I work with have addiction issues. Can I tell you the amount of rejection they have seen by the church and their own families? Because we had such strong opinions. Am I saying we should accept sin? That's not what I'm saying today. I'm just saying your priorities are screwed up. And it's affecting you being the church. It's pushing you into the pew instead of the streets. Our job isn't to, the, isn't to assess the validity of the hurt. It is to meet them at the hurt and love them into health, no matter our personal thoughts. Let's look at 37, 36 through 37. Band, you guys can go ahead and come back. I'm getting ready to close. Now, verse 36, now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, yes. Now, go and do the same. Isn't this story what Christ did for us? Maybe you've forgotten, and maybe you don't know. Maybe you're not a Christian today. I can tell you, just personally that Christ has been faithful to meet me at my very worst places and pick me up and bring me back. Isn't it just like Christ to meet us where we are and draw us near to him? This is what it looks like to be the church. What kind of a powerful statement would it be? If I, who have my own feelings and opinions, I'm not saying that, that your opinions are a wash or how you feel is a wash, but what should motivate us as Christians and, and our ultimate objective cannot be winning or being right. Our ultimate objective is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our strength, and all our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. What good is all that knowledge you have if you're not doing anything with it? We have the least discipled generation that has ever seen the church. Nobody's making disciples anymore. you realize that? We're in the process now as a church of trying to figure out how we can disciple more and closer, but the problem is it's going to require time and sacrifice how let me, let me ask you this as we close how are you going to meet someone this week how are you going to put your pride aside long enough to love your neighbor now who's your neighbor we've already defined that your neighbors, whoever you show mercy to. And can I tell you, there is a lost and dying world that is hungry for the mercy that overflows from Christians. Maybe you've forgotten today of the abundant mercy that was heaped upon you. And it should overflow into being the church and loving our neighbors in a way that when people see us,
1: they don't say, hey, he
0: goes to the Baptist church up the road. They, they may say all kinds of things, but oh, that they would say of us that we are. Hey, that guy does what he believes. Your behavior will never differ from what you believe. And so when I hear all that those hateful things that Christians say it lets me know they believe something different about this passage. Yep. When I hear those things it lets me know of Christians that they they prioritize their opinions and their pride over the call of God to love somebody. Are you guilty of it? I've been I have to war against it in my own heart that today, Lord, help me to look past. And we'll talk about this next week, seeing people through Christ. But help me to look past and through to, hey, this is my neighbor and someone that the Lord is calling me to show mercy to. What detour are you taking to not just go to church but be the church can I tell you that every Thursday night we go out every Thursday night we have teams going out from our church to go shower the love of mercy on Jeff Davis Highway and even down in Petersburg Grace Home Ministries meets upstairs Where we shower we could judge them all day long we could judge the people in the hotels all day long that's not what we're here to do let God judge how about that now listen once you become a Christian I'm not talking about discipleship and holding people accountable don't bridge that all over because there's also a vein of people that would say just love only and then when you become a Christian we don't ever hold each other accountable that is something completely different This is about meeting people where they are and loving our neighbor. Saturdays, food pantry, I don't know. You've probably been shunning a family member because you didn't agree with how they were living. A friend, a co-worker. Are you going to take the detour? Are you just going to continue going to church and pretending like you're being the church? Can we be the church? I think you can. I think you can do it. I think you're equipped to do it. And if not, God will. God will equip you to do the work. Can I pray for you? Father, today help us. Help us to see where we can be what we talk about. Help us to be what we talk about. Reveal in us the sinfulness of just walking by or making comments and letting that overshadow our call to love. Help us to love today. Help us to show your mercy to those who need it. Let us be the ones who get involved. Whether it's physically on the streets or through prayer, or calling up and saying, how can I pray? How can I help? Lord, help us to find ways to get involved with what you're doing, with loving our neighbors. Let us surrender everything to you today that would prevent us from obeying that call. Help us today to be that you've asked us to be. Let us be the church. And it's only by your power. It's only by your power. Forgive us where we've fallen short. It's in your matchless name that we pray. Thanks for streaming this audio from Transformation Church RVA located in Richmond, Virginia. For more information, check out our website at www.transformationrva.com.